Dr. Jim. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country with a pedal to the metal with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. What a pleasure to uh, to have you with us this week. We had an interesting uh, listening audience last week. Remember I said we had Finland? Finland listened. Now New Zealand heard me talking about Finland. So we have four people from uh, New Zealand. And oddly enough, I said, hey, I know a guy from New Zealand. Maybe you know him. Ha, ha, ha. And then I said his name. And he goes, yeah, he lives four down, four doors down from me. I'm like, tell him to listen. <laughs> That's so funny. New Zealand. Go figure. Uh, so it's, it's just, um, yeah, there are five people. More sheep than humans there. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. <clears throat> so, real quick, let's do this really quick. I know many of you are praying for Carson Sellers and the Sellers family, but we need to add uh, Cole, unfortunately, now has developed a eerily similar problem. Yeah. Yes, and so that's something that I was secretly afraid of and, and, and uh, was just deeply concerned about. So our prayer is is that that will be much easier to solve and that it won't progress uh, as Carson's did, and we're still praying for complete and total healing on the part of uh, Carson. So Carson and Cole Sellers, twins, now facing a very difficult thing. Continue praying, if you will, for my great friend, Chris Cahalan. Uh He's he's amazing. This guy blows my mind. He really, really does. I just I love that guy. I love his family. And they're good people. They're awesome people. Um, and then there, there are many others. There's just so many others. It's just an amazing, uh, when you think about the struggle, that a lot of people have going, just going through life, just, you know, it's mind boggling to me. And before my crash happened to me, I was always, I always had a sensitivity to people who were in a deep struggle uh, through a physical problem or, or whatever the case may be, a, a malady, an illness, chronic illness or whatever. And it's interesting because then I became that person in an instant. And it's just a strange thing. Uh, to go through life with, but it has made me even more attentive to people who are in a struggle like Carson and Cole and and uh, Chris and so many others. So, hey, welcome, buddy. I saw, no, Sean, right there, right, Fireman. Fireman Appreciation Week is coming up. I don't know if you know that. It's a big deal. It's awesome. Thank God for our firemen and our military. He's both a fireman and a military, so we're blessed to have him. We're so, so thankful to have uh, all of you here in the live audience as well as those listening around. Um, do you know how many Oxfords there are in the United States? Way off. I I thought there were maybe eight. 
3,812 Oxfords in, did you know that? So we have people listening from Oxford, Maryland, and we have people listening from Oxford, England. Isn't that something in the UK? And we're glad to have you. So today is why should I? And a lot of people sent me messages, why should I what? We always like the answer, right? We like the answer in, in advance. Why should I what? What is it that I should? And uh, and why should I do it? So why should I? And Wilberforce, William Wilberforce, you guys remember the story behind that? Um, you know, great great writer, great hymn writer, great uh, just a, a human being. Didn't start off that way, but he really turned out to be just an amazing human being. And I like to read what he writes because even though he's such an eloquent man, he was such an eloquent man, writing during that time was, was difficult to read quickly, you know, because it was a little bit difficult. It was, you had to dance around a lot of words and ways of saying things. But this is, this is powerful and it's simple. Why is it so hard to get people to study the scriptures? Common sense tells us what revelation commands. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Search the scriptures. Be ready to give to everyone a reason of the hope that is in you. These are the words of the inspired writers, and these injunctions are confirmed by praising those who obey the admonition. And yet, for all that we have, this is powerful, for all that we have the Bible in our houses, we are ignorant of its contents. No wonder that so many Christians know so little about what Christ actually taught. No wonder that they are so mistaken about profess. Wilberforce wrote that in Real Christianity, and uh, I'm, I'm honored to read it. it. It really struck me this week, and it led me to, um, and this is kind of how things happen. Several people sent me the same, the same saying. Out of the blue, I, I don't even know why. Just out of, and some people who had never communicated with me sent me this and said, "Hey, have you ever pondered this?" I said, "Yeah, actually, <laughs> I have." And I've read a lot of his stuff, and I was really impressed with it. So James one, from Yaakov the slave of God and of the Lord Yeshua the Messiah, to the twelve tribes in the diaspora, shalom. Regard it all as joy. Now regard it. Sorry, I'm not going to get very fast without stopping and saying stuff. Very, very powerful. I was sitting with my mother uh, yesterday, and she's a, she's a great student of Scripture and a pretty amazing person all the way around. And uh, But her, her understanding of Scripture is very personal. It's very um, – she studied it. She went to Bible college. Uh, but she, but her, her understanding of Scripture is very – I want to say it's integrated almost. It's it's part of who she is. It's inside her. She doesn't have to think about it. Um, and at the same time, this this notion of regard it all as joy. I know I've read James. I don't know how many times, a bazillion times. If that's a real number, and um, I think it is a real number actually. But uh, a bazillion times I've read this, and I it never, I didn't get stopped before. Regard it all as joy. Now, it. What is it? Think of it as everything. It's all, everything. Regard it all as joy. Even the tough stuff we don't like is, is still joy. 
Bryn, we had Bryn uh, a couple weeks ago, Bryn Sellers, mom of the Sellers boys and girl, and wife to Jeff, and daughter of Jerry and Joe. And I have to say, it was an interesting, the download rate, usually after about the second week, even if we have somebody famous on, like Sebastian Gorka, Dr. Gorka, when we had him on, the download rate stayed high for about six weeks, believe it or not. It stayed about constant. Um, but interestingly, Bryn's interview has stayed very constant. And it's interesting because she would say, well, you know, I'm just a regular person. But the, the conversation we had about her faith is extraordinary. And what came from that is not a bunch of bumper sticker Christianity. I hate that. I just I want to just peel them off. And it's usually somebody driving with their angry finger and waving with their angry finger and cutting people off, riding in the left lane forever. And I'm always like, take that thing off your car, will you please? Uh, but but it, I just don't have a lot of patience for, I'm going to say Christian cliche, you know, Bible bumper stickers. I, it's just not my thing. I just, it's, to me, it doesn't resonate. And generally speaking, I don't see, hello to the, everybody in chat, by the way. Thank you so much for joining us. That's a lively bunch. But one of the things that came out of the conversation of, with Bryn that you can, by the way, you can download that. If you go to uh, theninjapastor.com, go over to listen, you'll see it right there. It's free to listen. If you go to blogtalkradio.com backslash theninjapastor, while you're there, sign up, do the subscribe and sign up thing. It's kind of how internet radio works. It's just they don't care if you have 1.5 million listeners. What they care about is people who are subscribed and follow. Nobody spams you or anything. So even the tough stuff, we're to regard it all, the tough stuff. Nobody could argue and now with two very sick young men in her house. It's, 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 you know, when you say to somebody, regard it all as joy, as pure joy. You know, some translations regard it all as pure joy. That's so easy to say, right, until you are in that place. And then all of a sudden that little cliche becomes more difficult. Even the stuff we don't like. My brothers, when you face various kinds of temptations, and I'm going to read it all at once. Regard it all as joy, my brothers, when you face various kinds of temptations. You face. doesn't say if you should. You might maybe. You might could if your country, you know, you would say it like that. That's how I would say it. You know, you might could face some trials. You might could. Temptations, trials, the whole bit. Joy, the opposite of joy, the struggle, the terrible, terrible thing. It doesn't say if you might face it. It says when you face it. I almost read that as, don't say I didn't warn you. I can't whine. I didn't warn you. I told you. I've been telling you all it's not going to be easy. Regard it all as joy. And I have to ask you, what is joy to you? What is joy to you? I would ask the writer of this. Well, well brother, what's joy to you? Because I can think of a whole lot of people right now, right off the top of my head. I've got a 46-year-old, 47-year-old buddy in Minnesota, Chris, who's fighting for his life. Got his family there, beautiful family, loving wife, kids who adore him, community who loves him and adores him, extended family and friends all over the country. And he's fighting. And he's fighting with joy. Go figure. 
We just lost my buddy Eric, fighting with joy. I just talked to my good buddy Don, recovering from a, a I guess a shattered kneecap or something. Terrible. He's got enough to fight with, with, with fighting cancer all this time. And yet every time I talk to him, he says, how are you doing? What can I pray for for you, buddy? Oh, this is not that big of a deal. People are taking such good care of me. I feel bad. and Everybody going to such trouble. Joy. Joy. Have you ever known somebody that just embodies the word joy? Now, I can even say that I know someone who her name is Joy, and she is joyful. She's a happy, happy person. She was probably, she is about 20 years older than me, and just the nicest person. When I was growing up, I always wanted to be around her. And I always, I didn't know anybody named Joy, you know, and I was always like, wow, her name is Joy. That's pretty cool. And uh, I did. I thought it was such a thing. My dad said, that's a hippie name. I loved it. I loved it. He did. It was a hippie name. And so <laughs> I remember asking her as a young kid, how did you get the name Joy? What a dumb question. First of all, she wasn't really involved in the deal on Joy unless she changed her name legally. She said, well, the same way everybody else does. My mom and dad named me when I was born. You know, that's how. I said, yeah, but you're really joyful. You're really happy. And she says, well, I guess the name fit, didn't it? And I asked her, I was just a little kid. I said, why are you so happy all the time? She said, what's not to be happy about? I said, I don't know. A lot of troubles. People having a lot of troubles, you know. I think this was during the gas crisis in the 70s. And she said, you know, and I brought that up. I said, well, we have to wait in long lines to get gas, and you have to have the right tag number on certain days, and food is expensive, and, you know, everybody complains about the interest rates. I don't know what those are, but everybody is. And she said, but really, what does that stuff matter? And she said, I have joy, and I am joy because of God, and God never changes. I remember that as a little kid. I was like, wow, that's really something. I was just so impressed with it. Joy. Harumph. Remember I talked about uh, Eeyore last week. You know, Eeyore did never have joy. He he tempers any enthusiasm very quickly. But Tigger, T-I-double-grr, he never, ever tempers his joy, right? From Winnie the Pooh. Never does. It's full on, full out. You know, just happy. And every time something comes along, he just finds a way around it or above it. Regard it all as joy when you face various kinds of temptations. Man, i got to tell you, you know, life is full of temptations. Life is full of trials. And I said last week, a lot of the stuff we do to ourselves. So let's go on. For you know that the testing of your trust, what does it mean to persevere? Does it mean to whine and complain and Try to get out of those things that are weighing you down that you have to persevere through. I'll tell you what, nothing's worse. As a, as a witness among Christians, nothing is worse than a whiny, weak Christian. The without, and this is what I'm calling it now. I'm writing another book now, and, and uh, this is, I don't know if anybody else, any other authors say it, but I'm going to say it until I hear somebody else say it. I'm either going to say, hey, you're copying me, or hey, I'm copying you, and I didn't know it because I have a brain injury. The without Christ world. What they see us as is a fraudulent and hypocritical 
Christian, air quotes, Christians in these areas, and I have to say justly so. Now, I'm not saying everybody as a Christian doesn't go through their tough times. I'm not saying that at all, not at all. In fact, I'm, I'm saying the opposite, and I'm, and I'm endorsing what the writer is saying here, is saying when you have these trials and temptations, when the path gets rocky and difficult, when the sickness comes, when the loss comes, we're not immune. We're just protected. We're not immune. We're just protected. But when we fold so easily and when we live our life in that place which is constant, uh, anybody ever see Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? That show? I don't like Clooney's politics, but, boy, he was spot on in that show, in that movie. And I'm telling you, there's a guy, uh, Mr. Stanley, he's going to his reward now. He's uh, he's one of the greatest bluegrass. Uh, I'm sure Steve, were he here, he would he would probably know his name. Uh, Mr. Stanley uh, was one of the real pioneers of bluegrass music, and I love bluegrass music. And and so they sing a lot of his songs, "The Man of Constant Sorrow." It's it's a, just a standard among the bluegrass folks. And I listen to that song. And to tell you the truth, it is a little depressing. It's a little down. If it weren't for the fact that the musicians that play that and the folks that sing that are just so good. So I end up grinning when they're talking about this man of constant sorrow through it. Well, one time I was sitting with somebody, and, and I was introducing them to, uh, well, my buddy Chuck. And we're sitting out setting fires in his backyard. We call them bonfires, but other people might call them setting fires. But in the very wee hours of the morning, talking about all the world's most important things, and uh, I played the little clip on my uh, on my on my phone, and he and he's seeing me grin. He goes, "Why are you smiling, man? That guy, that's the saddest thing I ever heard. I'm depressed now. I'm gonna go in and go to sleep." And I said, "Because how he's singing it, it's how he's working through this, this drawing upon the life experiences that he had, and this is this is what he's done with that experience. He's created this amazing song. He just kind of shook his head." And, and we sat out there for another. Well, I ended up. We ended up not going to sleep. Actually, I had to fly out the next day, which was I think we had to leave for the airport around five thirty or six. We didn't even go to sleep. Fun times. Joy. Man, there's joy to be found in a lot of things, but you don't get to feel the joy unless you persevere. And that's what I'm talking about. But here it goes on to say, but let perseverance do its complete work. Now, but let, let. Who does the letting in this? Who does the letting? Who has to do the letting? Right. It's the person. Each and every, every person has to. It's you've got to do it. You can't. Nobody else can do it for you. No one else can do it for you. There's just nobody else that can do that for you. And I'll tell you what. It's interesting to me. I've met lots of people who spend a lot of their time giving some of their let to other people. Perseverance. But you know what? I'll tell you what you can't do. You can't persevere for somebody else. Who knows that? You can be strong. You can persevere and, and just be strong in your faith and, and give of your faith, you, but you can't let them do it. You can't do it for them. But let perseverance do its complete work. Work, not magic or anything hokey. I'm not talking about anything hokey here. Rather work, real old-fashioned, good old work. And some of that work is in studying and living Scripture. And you can't live it until you know it. And the only way to know it is to study it. Remember Wilberforce. 
remember what he said. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you again. Why is it so hard to get people to study the scriptures? Common sense tells us what revelation commands. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Search the scriptures. Be ready to give everyone a reason of the hope that is in you. These are the words of the inspired writers, and these injunctions are confirmed by praising those who obey the admonition. And yet, for all that we have, the Bible in our houses, we are ignorant of its contents. No wonder that so many Christians know so little about what Christ actually taught. No wonder that they are so mistaken about the faith that they profess. That's William Wilberforce from Real Christianity. So that you may be complete and whole. So that. means more here than we give it credit. It really does. We don't give it credit. That's so that you may be complete and whole. You can't be complete and whole without you letting perseverance its work in you. And then the verse ends with lacking in nothing. Can I ask you just an honest question here? Have you ever really felt you lacked in nothing? Has there ever been a time in your life where you said, man, I am in the zone. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. How different. Let me ask you, have you ever really understood that? I, I moved past that, that quickly. Have you ever really, really understood that everything you need in this moment or that moment or the moment to come you have. How different would our lives be if we truly, madly, and deeply loved God that much that we actually trusted him in this? Lacking in nothing. But what has to come first? In order to lack in nothing, we have to persevere. And we have to let perseverance do its work so that you may be complete and whole. Have you ever, show of hands, have you ever ever felt that you were complete and whole? Has there ever been a time? I can. I can tell you, absolutely. There have been times in my life where I've been certain places, been around certain people, doing certain things, where I said to myself, if heaven is better than this, wow. I've been, you guys know I love to do photography. When I'm physically able to get out there and do it, I do it. And I have stood so in awe of what I was seeing that I just put my camera down and said, I don't want to miss this. So many times. So many times. Can you imagine? You know, I've been out in nature where I've seen things that people just don't get to see on a regular business. I, I've been off the coast of Hawaii and everyone else was looking in a certain direction and about to give up on the uh, – on the cruise, they we're hoping we'd see, we saw plenty of dolphins and all that, hoping we'd see a whale. And they said, well, it's really not a good time for whales to breach. It's just not a good time for them right now. And everybody had given up. And for whatever reason, and I, I'm telling you, I believe it was God putting his hand on my head and turning my head the opposite way that everyone was facing. And all I could do was say, hey, like that. All of a sudden, these whales started breaching. And I mean, you see it on television, you have no idea until you feel the thump in your chest when they hit the water. And it was at least 100 yards off of our uh, starboard side. 
and uh, port side rather, and off of our port side just a little bit towards stern, and I felt it. I felt the thump in my chest when it hit the water, and all I could do, the only thing I could get out of my mouth was, hey! <laughs> Luckily, other people turned around and looked, and then everybody went, ooh, ah, you know, and we watched for 15 minutes as began, and it was amazing. And then I came out of that saying, wow, whales are big. <laughs> They're really, really big. I used to say all the time, I wish I was in the water and a whale came around me, you know? I'd love that. I'd pet it, look in its great big eye, and say, how are you? You're pretty cool. It's awesome that you've survived this long, you know? It's just, uh, I was so moved. I, I can't tell you how moved I was. It was literally, for me, a spiritual experience. I said, God, this is what I came right into my mind. God, you've made some really cool stuff. That over there is something that you made that's cool. I could watch that all day. I had a camera. Do you think I had any thought? Hey, what's this dangly piece of jewelry hanging around my neck that records images? Nope. The whole time. At the end, when it had calmed down and we were headed back, I looked down and realized, oh, I had a camera. Not one moment of that did I regret, not grabbing the camera and photographing it. Because I'll, brain injury or not, I won't forget that. I will not forget it. Seems like a small thing, and I illustrate, I, illustrate, I say that to illustrate this. Many of us don't experience the joy because we look past what are truly God wings. Uh, the little things, the big things, we're very quick to negate God in certain things, that God really is behind it. Or that several steps back, he was behind it. Right place, right time. Just what you needed. Lacking in nothing. I have really felt I lacked in nothing. I said to myself, I might even have said it out loud, I don't know, because I was pretty joyful at the time, but on the boat ride back, as the dolphins were escorting us, on the wake, you know, I said, if I died now, I'd have all I need. If I died now, this is all I need. I don't need anything else. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, let me go back a second. Here's the key, though. I'm going to give away the key. It's free of charge. No cost or obligation to you. If you truly, madly, deeply trust and love God, if you trusted him to reveal the joy to you when it's time, you'll see it more. One of the things about bumping my head on a car at 92 miles per hour is I understand that better. You know, the Bible is simple enough. Gospel is simple enough for children. I understand it better now than even before. 11 years of postgraduate education, I understand it better now than ever before. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Look, there's nothing worse than being a dumb person or a dumb Christian. And I don't mean that as a personal insult mentally. I mean it as an insult of dumb is a self-perpetuating condition. We have scripture. 
Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. The key to not being dumb is to ask, right? We've got a bunch of teachers in the room. We've got somebody who went through medical school. Math teachers, too, by the way, I have to stipulate. There's no dumb question. People say there really are dumb questions. I really believe that. Sometimes some, the person that's not paying attention, but then they realize, hey, I was just not paying attention, and then they ask a dumb question. It was asked 35 minutes ago, but they didn't take notes or pay attention. Then they ask the same question, and everybody is. And it's usually with about two minutes to go in class. It's a 15-minute answer, but, yeah, that person, that's real. But listen, there's no excuse to be dumb. And I'm not talking about asking man or reading some book or listening to some tape. Tape. I don't know. I guess CD isn't even up to date now. You listen to some. What is it now? MP3, MP4, MP5. What is it? Streaming, live streaming. Well, that doesn't fit. That's hard to say. Listening to some live stream. Oh, I guess it does fit. Speaking of which, that's. I guess that's what people are listening to now is a live stream. But it doesn't come from that necessarily. Although God does reveal His wisdom in many ways through many means and through many people. And, you know, you can include in your study something you read or hear somewhere, as long as it doesn't controvert Scripture. You'll never get any smarter about God reading stuff that controverts the truth of Scripture. You just won't. One of the things, uh, this is a plug for my, uh, oh, I, I actually have my seminary shirt on, Masters in Evansville, Indiana, mdiv.edu. And um, one of the things that I love about my seminary is some of the professors Make you read stuff that I, I would send notes to my professors. I don't know why I'm being forced to read this anti-biblical, anti-Christian, anti-blah, blah, 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 and then hit send. One professor, I won't say his name, although he got me to look in the rearview mirror one time, and uh, he says, what do you see? Myself. Idiot. I love him. He might be listening now. If so, I hope grades aren't, you know, you can't go back in and redo a grade. He probably would, too. He'd send me a grade notice. I'll, any minute now, I'll be getting an email. We've, we've met. The board has met, and we've decided to regrade you. He said, because we don't want you to be dumb about what is being said about our Savior. But let him ask and trust, doubting nothing. Whoa, there's the capstone. There's the trick. But let him ask and trust, doubting nothing. Man, let me tell you what. Doubting nothing, asking and trust, that's hard. Brinsellers.com, isn't it .com? Brinsellers.com, B-R-Y-N-S-E-L-L-E-R-S.com. If I send 100,000 listeners there, she's going to give me a toaster. Not, just kidding. Not a toaster. But it really is powerful. If you're in a struggle and you're a, a person of faith and you, you don't have any trust in Christians because Christians seem fake and inauthentically happy, pretending to be happy and pious, you need to go read that. That's real stuff. In trust, doubting nothing, five words that are extraordinarily difficult in and we say, we love to think that we live in the worst time, don't we? How many of you ever, you know, people talk, you know, there's many people in the room that were adults in the 50s or, or at least teenagers in the 50s. So you have some idea. I wasn't born in the 50s, but born in the 60s. But I don't have a concept of, but I always 
the fifties, I always heard, you know, you watch Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, everybody's happy, sort of, right? It's happy times, you know, and and all that. Um, did I say the right name? Happy Days, right? That's the one, Arthur Fonzarelli. I used to imitate him all the time. I wanted a motorcycle because of him. Anyway, we won't go down that road. Anyway, I know I was supposed to really want to be popular with the girls, you know. That's what all other guys. I'm watching this thing, going, man, I need a motorcycle. That's what I need. Right, right. You get a motorcycle, the girls come around. That's I didn't figure that out. Or a or a guitar. You get a guitar. It's doubting nothing for the doubter. It's like a wave in the sea being tossed and driven by the wind. You know, the 50s, the 50s are talked about very often as though they were this perfect time. Right? Perfect time. It was, it was the best time. When I'm watching these shows as someone who doesn't know better, I'm thinking, wow, things were awesome. My dad, yeah, hiding under your desk at school, fearful of the Russian attack. My dad one time set me straight. He said, where did you where did you hear that the 50s were perfect? Where did you hear that? Somebody told you wrong. The 50s weren't perfect. They weren't the best. They weren't easy. They were a worrisome time. It was tough. Really, really tough. We always think our time is the toughest time, don't we? We always do. But I'm going to say we have so many tools, right? The the little mobile computer smartphone super duper thing that we can do everything under the sun. We can use it as a GPS to take us somewhere or to get us unlost. Men usually wait until they're so completely lost before turning the GPS function on, putting in the address where they want to go and right, I'll figure it out. <laughs> They'll do a million things. All the information in the world, man. It's got all the information in the world in this thing. We have that. We have these little tablets. You know, even my camera, the camera I use, I'm just, I'm dumbfounded by what this thing can do. It's just such a joy. I look at this thing, I go, wow, thank you, God, for allowing this to be invented. But doubting nothing, asking and trust. A doubter's like a wave in the sea being tossed and driven by the sand or by the wind. Decide, resolve, and stand. Asking and trust is a hard thing to do, because what might someone do if you're really sold out in asking for something? Go to this person, you're nervous about it, you need this or that, and you know they have it, you don't, you need it. They could possibly get, so you go to them and you ask them in trust. Well, when you put yourself out there, you really trust, you really believe, you get your hopes up. When you ask and trust and you doubt nothing, the answer might be two letters, and, oh, sometimes we don't, I'm telling you, that's what I believe is why many people don't ask fully and completely and trust, doubting nothing. Because when we do that, if we get the answer from God that says no or not right now, that's difficult. That's challenging. That's powerfully painful sometimes. How many of you ever, I asked a while ago, if anybody experienced joy, have any of you in your lifetimes as followers of the way, as Christians, as believers, how many of you have been told no by God? Right? All of us have. That tells me a good thing. It tells me that you are asking and trust, doubting nothing. Because if you don't ask, you don't get an answer. And God's answer is always perfect and right and just in time. 
Indeed, that person should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. Anything. Not a little bit of something, not just not quite enough. Anything. He won't receive anything from the Lord. Man, that's harsh. Right? We do. We think that's harsh. Man, I, anything? I'm not going to receive anything? Because he is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. That's why I say, you know, this hashtag is never called on. But decide, resolve, and stand. Man, you've got to decide. You've got to figure out, what is it I believe? Do I believe in God? Do I believe he created this everything? Do I believe he set everything in motion? Do I believe it? No, I don't need to understand all the science of it. I really don't. But do I believe it? Do I believe that God started all of this? Do I believe that God has his hand on us now? Do I believe God can change everything with just a thought? The wave of his hand, blink of his eye, the breath from his spirit. tough to believe that God can change your circumstances if you're not fully confident and sure that he did all of this. You have to decide, and then you have to resolve and live as though you believe that you've decided, and then you have to stand because people will, as soon as you make a decision, folks, I, I tell you this, make no mistake, as soon as you make a decision, there's a song, it's a hymn, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus, right? Once you make that decision to follow Jesus, come what may, whatever, whatever's in, involved in that, once you make that decision, man, oh, man, oh, man, the long knives come out. And some of those long knives are your family. Some of them are your friends and your coworkers, your neighbors. You have to decide. You have to resolve. And then you have to stand no matter what. Let the brother in humble circumstances boast about his high position, but let the rich brother boast about his being humbled, since like a wildflower he will pass away. Just as the sun rises with the sherov. Now, I'm, I'm reading from the complete Jewish Bible. So sherov, let me tell you what that is. It's the Hebrew word for heat wave, and it's one of the more depressing words in Hebrew, let's be honest. There's a lot of amazing words in Hebrew. This one's not my favorite. Sherov. Sherov. It's among the words you never want to hear, especially not in April. But as it is in Israel, you may have a Shadov in March and in November, too. Even more depressing than uh, Shadov is Shadov Kaved, which is severe heat wave. We have people here who have been to Israel. It can get hot there. Amen? Rural hot. Rural hot. Severe heat wave. Shadov Kaved. Uh, which basically means that anything other than staying in the strongest possible air conditioner is equivalent to suicide. However, there was one time when everyone in Israel was longing to hear the words, Shadrav Kaved. It was nearly 1991 during the first Gulf War when this expression was used as a code word broadcasted on the radio to indicate that the Iraqi Scud missile attack was over, at least until next time. <laughs> I often wonder who picked out, who was the genius that picked out this terrible, terrible word, Shadrav Kaved, to declare such a positive stat. Maybe they could have thought of this word, Mashav Ruach. Mashav Ruach, which is light breeze. So back to the, back to the, uh, so Sharav, so we, now we understand that it's really, really severe heat wave. It dries up the plant so that its flower falls off and its beauty is destroyed. So too, the rich person going about his business 
will wither away. Now let me say this about flowers. I hardly ever know the name of flowers. I take a lot of photographs of flowers, and then people go, oh, is this Aspergillus smiclum? And I'm like, I don't know. It's pretty. I just liked it. I don't know what it is. Right? But they always know. There's a lot of people that know that. I never know what it is. Like birds, sometimes I'll take a picture. of. If it's not an eagle, an osprey, an owl, a finch, you know, something super simple, I don't know what it is. I have to look it up just like everybody else. But a flower, how often do you see photographs or paintings of a flower that the bloom has fallen off? It's just sitting there. Most people don't view that as beauty. Most people view that as beginning the dying process, right? Flowers, they're beautiful while they're beautiful, and then as soon as they're not beautiful, nobody goes in to a farmer's market or a flower shop or what do they call those? Flower shop, right? That's, there's no other name for flower shop, right? I thought there was. There's some other. Ah, florist. There you go. The florist. Nobody goes into a florist and go, hey, do you have any of those flowers? I don't know. Where the, you have to do this little wiggle thing, where where the uh, the, the flower, the bloom has fallen off because that's what I'm looking for to decorate my house. Something brown, something a little rotted. You know, that's what I'm looking for. Nobody does that. Do you have anything dry? No. Because you want to get its beauty. You want to get it at its peak or just before the peak beauty so that maybe you buy, uh, what's that real nice smelling thing? My daughter's name for him, Lily. You buy a lily, right? But you, when you buy them, you want one or two of the blooms to be open, but you want to buy them where the bloom is not yet open. So when you take it home, you put it in a little vase, vase, you put it in there, and in a day or so, poof, you got more beauty. Stretch that process out. You sh Nobody wants to go in knowing, well, I want to get one that's been burnt up in the shut off, the heat wave. I want to get one that's dried up. Nobody does. That means death. It means it's over. It means that's it. Destroyed beauty. They want now beauty. So too the rich person going about its business will wither away. Now, I don't want you to think that this is an admonition against wealth because it's not. Now, I grew up where wealth was talked about in, a, in the church that I attended when I was a little kid. Wealth was talked about badly. It was talked about sort of with – and sadly, now I was too naive as a kid to know that these people that are talking down wealth are some of the richest people in the town, right? I don't know that. I don't know that as a kid, and I'm thinking to myself, boy, you're kind of a hypocrite. I didn't know that because I'd never been to homes. I didn't know really what wealth was back then. I, you know what I thought wealth was? Then this is going to reveal how stupid I am sometimes. Most of the time. I thought Wonder Bread. I was never allowed to have Wonder Bread as a kid. We, we, we ate really well here that I was mounted. I was real super skinny. I know that's hard to believe. But the point is, we couldn't have one. I saw a Wonder Bread commercial on television. Talked all about the vitamins and the nutrients and all this stuff. I was like, look at the colors on there. Because we didn't get our bread that way. Our bread didn't come in a plastic wrap with a cool little thing around it, right, and pictures on it. It came in a paper bag because somebody made it that we knew. You know, real stuff. But, man, those Wonder Bread commercials. And I thought people that had that were rich, right? And I would go over to somebody's house, and their mama would make us sandwiches. Remember one time somebody put pimento. You ever have a pimento and cheese sandwich? That's not for me. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not going to give that a second try. I am not going to give that a second try. But they made a pimento and cheese sandwich. Now, I had never had pimento and cheese, but I could tell by looking at it. It's probably not something I'd like, but I didn't want to be rude. And I saw the Wonder Bread bag. I said, oh, here it is. Heavens are opening up. God's giving me my wish. I want me some Wonder Bread. Mom and Dad won't give it to me. 
here I had to come to the neighbor's house, sit down with their kid, and have lunch. Not a fan of the pimento and cheese, but now I'm having Wonder Bread. The Wonder Bread will overcome the pimento and cheese. Well, guess what? It didn't. And you know what? I smelled the bread because I'm used to smelling bread that smelled like bread. But all I smelled when I smelled this Wonder Bread, because, you know, she opened the thing up, and I was like, ooh, that smells kind of chemically. You know, I'd never smelled it. Sometimes we want stuff that's stupid, right? We do, don't we? Advertising. Look, it's not an admonition against the wealthy. It's a reminder for the wealthy, folks, to not rely upon the, the wealth and the natural, the earthly wealth and perceived security. Rather, we're to rely upon God. Scripture goes on to say, How blessed is the man who perseveres through temptation, for after he has passed the test, he will receive as his crown the life which God has promised to those who love him. Let me say this. The word after perseveres after he has passed. Very important. It's very important. Look, if I want a great figure, I can't declare to the world, hey, I'm going to go work out five days a week at the, uh, I'm not going to say the name because they don't advertise, they don't, you know, pay for advertising, but this big fancy chain, right, three minutes from my house, I'm going to go there five days a week and I'm going to work out and I'm going to have an amazing body. Well, guess what? I don't get the amazing body until I go and do the work the result until I do the work, till I persevere. Look, I know lots of people. I'm very fortunate to know lots of very wealthy, very famous people. And I can tell you this, not a single one of them did the big money tree in the backyard suddenly start blooming on them. They work harder, especially when you learn how hard somebody works when you're responsible for their life, you're protecting them. Every single one that was a super wealthy, famous person, 18-hour days minimum. Nobody handed them anything. They work hard. They say, well, I work hard, and I don't make millions of dollars. Well, neither do I. But you know what? You can't discount the 18 hours and more of work that people, some people do. It's very rarely ever handed to them. But you don't get it until you work hard for it. Right? When an invention takes place, you don't generally fall upon an invention. Oh, I think I will observe and invent that. And then suddenly you're wealthy. You know the guy, I'm trying to get him on the radio, the guy that in, Mike, um, he invented the uh, the my pillow. That guy, I use his product. It's very good. I'm getting ready to test another one that my buddy Mark Herr made, and uh, he invented this special pillow. He says it just blows the my pillow out of the water. I'm going to actually be one of the testers. But this Mike Lindell, that's his name. Mike Lindell, really neat guy, super strong person of faith, unbelievably strong person of faith. And and he, for ten years. For 10 years, folks, he toiled and toiled and toiled on this invention. For 10 years. And people look at him now and they, they think, oh, the lucky guy invents a pillow. Big deal. Oh, it is a shredded bone. Well, it's much more than that. But still, the point is, they think it just was over. No, he persevered. He passed the test. And he's receiving now. Well, this verse doesn't talk about receiving money stuff, but how blessed is the man who perseveres through temptation, for after he has passed the test, he will receive as his crown the life which God has promised to those who love him. Not dead flowers, not the bloom falling off, drying up in the shadow of, but the life, the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. you got to pass some tests. First of all, you've got to take some tests. You've got to persevere long enough to take a test. You don't take a test in the beginning of the class, do you? 
when I taught Bible college, sometimes I like to give the test first, just for fun, just for fun. The people are like, whoa, wait a second. I say, relax, it's not going to be your grade. I just want to see how much you know now. It's important to know how much you know, right? And then all this other stuff will just sink right in. You'll realize it's worth it, worth having the knowledge. But you don't, usually we don't get tested first. We have to persevere first. We have to study. We have to dig in. We have to make it part of us inside in order to receive the crown. He says, he doesn't say he might. The author doesn't say, for after he has passed the test, he will receive as his crown the life which God has promised to those who love him. No one being tempted should say, I am being tempted by God. God doesn't tempt anyone. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and God himself tempts no one. Look, stop blaming God for what you put yourself into. Now, I know a lot of people who attribute God. They attribute God with everything. Every single thing they attribute God. Everything. Isn't God amazing how he made this, that, and the other thing happen? Isn't God just precious and awesome and wonderful? And it might be the most inane thing that eventually will end very badly. Because sometimes we put God in a place doing stuff that he doesn't do. Listen, lest the First Baptist Church of everywhere start sending me nasty grams, I'm not saying that God doesn't allow certain things to happen. But you all know, I can see the knowing faces, you all know people in your life who attribute God with every picayune thing. And then when it folds, then when that plan that you didn't really plan too well on blows up in your face, so, well, God had a greater purpose, right? That's, that, that's faith, but it's misinformed faith. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But you've got to stop blaming God for what you put yourself in. People don't make something that you want to do a God thing because it isn't always a God thing. Rather, each person is being tempted whenever he is being dragged off and enticed by the bait of his own desire. Look, you've got to own it. You have to own your own bad behavior, and you have to own your own hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Do not put it on God. I don't know why God gave me this addiction to heroin. No, that addiction to heroin started when you touched that needle to your vein. I don't know why God made me so susceptible to alcohol. I don't know why God made me so lazy. Nobody ever says that, right? Nobody ever. You know anybody that admits they're lazy? Do you? Oh, you admit you're lazy. Okay. Wow. Wow. That's the first. Uh-oh. Home evaluation in order. But look, we have to own our own bad behavior. We have to own our own hurts, habits, and hang-ups. We can't. We cannot. Why did God this? Why did God? No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't tempt you. Then having conceived the desire gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Don't delude yourselves, my dear brothers. Every good act of giving and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father who made the heavenly lights, with him there is neither variation nor darkness caused by turning. Having made this, this is important, having made his decision, he gave birth to us through a word that can be relied upon in order that we should be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. Therefore, my dear brothers, let every person be quick to listen but slow to speak, slow to get angry, for a person's anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. 
So rid yourselves of all vulgarity and obvious evil, and receive meekly the word implanted in you that can save your lives. Don't deceive yourselves by only hearing what the word says, but do it. Remember what I said about decide, resolve, and stand. Look, you you can't just hear this message. You can't just um, – one thing I really love. Now, I do. I really, really love it. I really, really love it. I love the Bible on audio. I love it. I love this audiobooks business. Whatever audible thing, I don't know what it's called, but I love it. I want the book. I want the actual book, but I love when I can't have a book in my hand, I love to be driving down the road listening to a book. I have a manual on my camera. I actually listen to the manual. I retain maybe one quarter of 1%, but the point is, the longer the drive, the more I might know. But I love it. But you know what? Until I pour myself into it, I'll just be a hearer only. Whoever hears the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks in the, at his face in a mirror, who looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, if a person looks closely into the perfect Torah, which gives freedom and continues, becoming not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work it requires, then he will be blessed in what he does. A lot of people talk bad about Torah, but I'm going to tell you something. It's doing Torah for the right reason the right intent, in obedience and worship of God. It gives freedom and continues becoming not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work it requires. Then he will be blessed in what he does. Anyone who thinks he is religiously observant, but does not control his tongue, is deceiving himself. And his observance counts for nothing. Intent goes a long way. goes a long way. God understands. There's a lot of people listening right now all around the world that say, man, but I don't understand the Bible all the way yet. Neither do I. Neither do I. Don't worry about having all the answers. Don't worry about understanding every part of it. If you are hungering and thirsting after righteousness, if you are studiously approaching Scripture, if you are communicating with God, intent, your intent is powerful. I want to know you every day never backing down never easing up nothing worse than false piety though in the heart of a fake christian boy you ever you ever meet anybody like that looking to look talking the talk of religiosity but being a fraud inside and eventually that comes out the religious observance that god the father considers pure and faultless is this now look you think we're going to hear some big thing about we got to do this, 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 and this. Like, i got to have a good memory. Well, I have a brain injury. I can't, God wrote this for me. He knows I can remember one thing at a time. The religious observance that God, the religious observance that God the Father considers pure and faultless is this. This is the flower that you go into the florist or the flower shop and ask for. This is the one that you stare at. And say, oh man, I wish I had that. Wish I had that. This is the bloom. Care for orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep oneself from being contaminated by the world. Wow. Wow. This is political, but this has a very scriptural 
connotation here. When we allow people from other countries whose stated purpose is to kill us and take over our land, which God gave us, we are fools. And we will soon be dead, de-bloomed flower. Freedom and liberty. We've got to keep ourselves from being contaminated by the world. The world tells us all kinds of things that controvert what Scripture says. And the fact of the matter of it is, many of us don't know God because we don't trust God. We don't persevere through the process of learning God. I find that the greatest challenge that we face today is simply that. Oh, uh, by the way, I see my brother Don has joined us. Thank you, Don. We are all still praying for you. God bless you, brother. We love you. And um, it's interesting to me, faith is simple, isn't it? Until you have to live it. God bless you and keep you, and may he make his face to shine upon you. Join us on Wednesday. I think you'll have fun and you'll enjoy the show. God bless you. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.